listening to The Defiant Ones, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of Defy. Hello and welcome back to The Defiant Ones, and thank you so much for subscribing to The Defy Patreon. We very much appreciate uh, everyone who is subscribing here and uh, getting some exclusive content here on The Defiant's Patreon. My name is Kevin Deers, and I am interviewing uh, wrestlers for Defy and and beyond, and a lot of uh, wrestlers that have come in to uh, do some really cool matches here at Defy, a lot of the Defy regulars, and uh, if you could, you should go back and uh, definitely check out all of the past episodes from the past year or so. Uh, We've been really staying busy during this downtime where we haven't been able to have Defy shows due to the COVID-19 pandemic and whatnot. Uh, As things move forward and we actually are able to have shows, things are going to look a little bit different, and I'm going to try to have a lot more integration with the live events and uh, covering things a little bit differently, not just, you know, these uh, in-depth interviews. Of course, I'm going to have some of those, but uh, we're going to be mixing it up and trying some new things here on the Defiant Ones podcast. So I really appreciate uh, all the feedback on the ones we've done so far. And as I mentioned, we are going back to shows. So this coming weekend, if you're watching this now, uh, well, if you're watching this in the future, this won't be as pertinent. But right now, we are very, very excited because this coming weekend, we have Defy Leviathan. It's a two-night event this coming weekend at Washington Hall in Seattle featuring Shaft, Josh Alexander, Lance Archer, and so many more, including Midnight Heat. Uh, Do make sure to read the COVID protocol before you uh, attend the event. Uh, That's important that you you do that and that everyone there is safe and that all the wrestlers are safe and the Defiance is safe. So make sure you do that before uh, you you show up to the show. Uh, Tickets are on sale now for the uh, event after September 25th, our return to Washington Hall. It's called Mad Kingdom, and it features Eddie Kingston. I'm very pumped to see that as Eddie Kingston has been one of my favorite wrestlers over the past year and a half, really, really exploding onto the scene with uh, every Wednesday night, you know, and and, and he's going to be making his his debut at Defy, so I'm really stoked to see that. So thank you so much again. I'm so pumped for this weekend for Leviathan, a two-day event back at Washington Hall. Remember, Defy, we get loud. We might have masks on our faces, but that cannot keep us from getting fucking loud. Without any further ado, let's jump into my interview with a man who knows quite a few conspiracies, Eli Surge, here on The Defiant Ones. Welcome to The Defiant Ones, and uh, right now I'm going to be talking with Eli Surge. I don't know if I'm going to be able to see Eli Surge. Apparently, uh, it's not doing the camera thing. Uh, can you can you hear me? I can hear you, Eli. Oh, perfect. The audio is going and perfect. Great. Yes. Is this the first time you've taken the post-it note off of the camera? Uh, I, you know, I think so. Yeah, I I can't ever have that uncovered, and just in case of you know, surveillance. Hmm. Okay, well, uh, yeah, so we're, we're talking with Eli Surge here, professional wrestler, 
uh, for Defy. Uh, how have you been, man? How have you how have you been staying busy during this time where we can't see you wrestle? Uh, how you been? How you been staying busy, dude? Uh, well, I if you followed some of my social medias, I've gotten quite into uh, what they call conspiracies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I kind of don't consider them that. I consider them exposing the truth. Yeah. Uh, so most of my time since the 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 beginning of the end of wrestling has been has been looking into that and trying to bring that to light. Uh, I've been lucky enough to have a few wrestling shows to produce, uh, not produce, sorry, um, to share these these truths with live audiences. Yeah. In October, in the middle of BC, kind of they opened up a little bit, but mostly. Um, Mostly just trying to uh, to keep the truth strong. So I have to ask you, uh, we're, we're going to go into the wrestling side of things, but what kind of like hmm. spurred your interest in, in, you know, kind of exposing the truth, as you say, and, and finding a bit more and, and going deep within uh, the realms of truth? Yeah, what, uh, what, what kind of spurred that, man? So it was... I started to see the cracks early on, uh, but it wasn't until I actually in 2019 had a disease that threatened my life that I looked into those cracks and saw how widely they could be pulled open. Uh, in the summer of 2019, I kind of disappeared for a little bit. I mm-hmm. was diagnosed with something called streptococcus canis, which is uh, a bacterial infection that infected my blood, bones, and skin. Um, so that kept me in the hospital for 11 days. And in those 11 days, I almost expected to never walk out of that hospital. So once coming out of that, I thought it's only, it seems like my duty to bring to light what is more. Yeah. You had a full recovery from that? As far as we know, yes. Um, it's something that's, uh, strangely enough, it's rare enough that I was the 74th case in the world. Wow. Uh, and it's usually transmitted through a dog bite or scratch, uh, neither of which I had. So they don't even know where it came from. That's pretty surreal. So you, <laughs> you had to know the truth. You, were you able to uncover any, anything that was kind of hidden about that? Any, any truths or is it still unknown? Unfortunately, that one's been pretty locked away. Uh, near the end of the summer, I, I saw the infectious disease doctor, and they told me pretty much thumbs up, start getting back to normal life. And after that, I tried to, and there were still a little troubles. Like while I was in hospital, I, I lost the ability to walk. Like I couldn't feel my legs basically, or there was so much pain that I couldn't move my legs. Um, so I, I'd imagine that if there is any truth beyond what I've seen with that one, they've got it locked very, very far away. So as far as uh, your, you know, research and in, in, into the truth and everything, um, do you, what kind of media do you, um, do you, kind of uh do you watch movies documentaries read uh podcasts what what kind of stuff can you can you uh let us know or is that a little too much uh to divulge uh you find a lot of very good shit on facebook 
Ah. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, um, other people interested in truth are stay-at-home moms. Mm. Um, I'm not sure if you've experienced that, but they they tend to spurt a lot of information, whether uh, quantified or not, whether without backing evidence or not, but they, they try. Uh, so those often open open the rabbit hole, which I dive deeply into. All right. All right. Good to know. So uh, let's talk a little bit about like uh, what got you into the world of wrestling. Um, What was your first memory of wrestling? What was your, you know, as a kid, were you a fan? I, as a kid, was not allowed to watch wrestling. Uh, Oh, wow. (laughs) Wrestling and the Simpsons were the two banned things in my house. Uh, Wrestling because too violent. And I grew up with, uh, I have three brothers, so they will turn into chaos and the Simpsons because Bart is a bad role model. Mm -hmm. Um, So naturally that drove us to want to watch it more. Mm -hmm. Uh, It led to us doing drop kicks in the front yard to each other. And then eventually um, I'd gone through, I had done acting. I didn't go very far in that. Like the furthest I went was I killed a couple people on a crime reenactment show for the Oprah network Okay. Which I don't even know if it's just a thing anymore. Um, and uh, was always in sports growing up, was always interested in stunt work. So I thought, why not mix all of that and get into wrestling? And uh, okay. So how'd you, did you realize that like wrestling training was a thing? Were you aware of, of how people uh, did that? Were you aware of a local wrestling scene or anything like that? So I wasn't aware of, of local, unfortunately. Um, I grew up in a Victoria, British Columbia on Vancouver mm-hmm. Island. Yeah. And I always looked into the, the bigger wrestling schools, the Storm Academy, yep. the Team 3D, uh, the ROH Dojo, that kind of thing. The, uh, uh, the New Japan LA Dojo I looked at and I always thought, you need to go there. And I heard interviews with people saying, if you want to make it somewhere, you need to train under someone who made it somewhere. Yep. Um, so I kind of looked and I took that idea and I signed up for, for storms wrestling Academy in Calgary, dramatic pause, Alberta, Canada. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until about four weeks before I was moving from Victoria to Calgary that I found out there was actually an independent scene in, British Columbia, really. Awesome. Um, and they then offered me a position to come train with them, but I had already put my money into going to see Lance. And yeah. uh, so I went with that, and I'm very grateful for that. Um, I think it gave a very excellent starting block. Mm-hmm. And I think just having that name on my resume, it opened a few doors in my travels. What year was this that you started training with uh, Lance? I was in the class of September 2015. 2015 cool. Um, out of which uh, there's one gentleman who's doing quite well in Australia. He's working for PWA under the name Kai Drake. Oh, cool. And the other notable name to come out of that is now a tag team with in a tag team on Impact Wrestling with Jordan Grace. Rachel Ellering was in my Yes, class. absolutely. Yeah. Paul Ellering's daughter. Hell yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, she she drove up, did a 16-hour drive with her life in the back seat, and decided to start wrestling at the same time I did. 
So tell me a little bit about what, what training was like and, and, and did, were you familiar with uh, how to, you know, lock up and things like that? Or was it pretty much just like start out and learn day one? Uh, so with my class, I'm not sure, I can't assume for all of them, but for the first week, we didn't get into the ring. It was cardio. It was signing papers. It was making sure that he got your money before yeah. you started training. Um, and then it was the very basic things, the, the back bumps, the, the flip bumps, um, more and more cardio through the entire time. And as that progressed, it turned into less drilling things and more, we would open the class with Lance telling us stories about either his career or how he felt about Monday night raw the night before Mm -hmm. we'd get into some stuff. And then he'd tell us stories afterwards too. Uh, so I think the original slot of time was supposed to be three or four hours. And it was always almost an hour on either side that we could get out of him, him just telling stories and tales of the road. Yeah. That's, that's invaluable, man, because, you know, with someone that, you know, he's been everywhere from Japan and then, and, and then he was in uh, smoky mountain, WCW, ECW, WWF, WWE. I mean, he was everywhere and, and, and did everything. So that must've been just like, sitting under the learning tree with Lance Storm must have been pretty awesome. Very much so, very much so. And uh, when I was there, I had the opportunity to go see a WWE show that he got us all tickets for. So sitting with a group of trainees, watching the show, uh, we didn't get backstage, but still, I was, yeah, it was a great opportunity. And he very much so drilled in the idea of you need to stop watching wrestling as a fan and start watching wrestling as a worker. What's the difference to you? If you're watching as a fan, if if I'm watching as a fan, personally, I turn my brain off. I let them guide me through the steps. Uh, If I'm watching as a worker, I'm trying to break down what they're doing and why they're doing it. Do you ever wish you could just turn your brain off and watch like a fan? (laughs) I have a trick and it's called a couple beers. Ah, um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, a couple, a couple of whiskeys and there we are. Uh, it turns my brain off a little bit enough that I can just sit and enjoy. Sure. Awesome. Um, okay. So uh, you're training with Lance Storm and, and did you uh, stay there in Calgary uh, to, to start your wrestling career? Or did you move back to the Vancouver area? Where did you get your first reps and your first matches? So I signed a six-month lease while in Calgary. The training was only three months. Mm -hmm. So I spent three months working in Calgary, Edmonton, Red Deer, all up and down uh, Alberta. Um, Made my way over to Saskatchewan, ticked that off the bucket list. And then I went out to the east coast of Canada. I went and I lived in Halifax for a while. So I drove from Calgary to Victoria, Uh, stopped at a show on the way and then flew out uh, where I lived there for uh, an entire uh, a summer yeah Um, that was a a very great time and I very much so appreciate the uh, the maritime uh, scene I felt at the time it was a little closed off but that they it was because they knew they had very talented people and now that I look out there, I can 
be assured that that was the case. Um, after that summer, I basically ran out of money, so I had to come back home. <laughs> uh, so I was based out of Victoria for a while. I was living in Victoria when I made my Defy debut in, what would that have been, April of 2018 yeah. with Judas Icarus against the American Guns. Um, and we almost missed the show because Vancouver Island is an island and yeah. you have to get a boat to get off of it. And the boats were not on our side that day. Um, so based out of there, and now I am based out of Vancouver, which is a little more convenient. Yeah. Yes. So what were, uh, you know, before um, the, before your Defy time, what, what were some um, memories that you can recall? Did you, anything kind of stick out as like something that you were proud of uh, as far as like matches or moments that you can recall? I am, I am very self-critical. Um, sure. So in my entire wrestling career, I would say that there are maybe there would be less than five matches. I would say that I thought I did well in. Okay. Um, so things that stand out to me were um, funny kind of not mistakes or I guess road times stood out mostly when I was in Nova Scotia. I, was booked to be on a show that was running in a barn at an RV park. Okay. It was about an hour outside of Halifax. And I showed up to the, um, the training facility to help pack the ring. It was an 18 by 18 foot ring. Mm-hmm. And the promoter decided to book a 16 foot truck. So yeah, I had a quick math here. 18 feet doesn't fit inside of 16 feet. So not only that, but the truck showed up an hour late and when it did show up, the two drivers decided they didn't want to carry any of the stuff. We oh. had to bribe them, basically. Uh, and we ended up putting the, the sides of the ring through a small window into the driver's area. And then they also stuck out the back of the truck. Not only that, but because that little window was so small, we couldn't fit all of the cross beams of the ring into the truck. So they just left some behind. Um, <laughs> Sketchy. And yeah, I mean, for, for anyone not knowing what that means, it means basically an area, a corner of the ring had no support in it except for plywood and some small mats. Okay. Um, we finally got up there. The show was scheduled to start at 7 p.m. I think we arrived at 7.30. Uh, because I was driving with the truck and I was the new kid, they people were there already. They didn't know I was coming with the truck. They just shot, saw me show up at seven 30 for a seven o'clock show, took me off of the show. That's fine. Whatever. Um, they put the show on. They said, don't go to this corner of the ring. It was still interesting. Everyone at the show had a great time. Uh, it was, it was a lot of small kids who loved to cheer for the simplest of things. Yeah. Um, and at intermission, I was sitting out with the promoter and he was counting his money outside. And I thought, that's kind of strange. And then I watched him close the money box and slip it inside his jacket and start walking away. And that promoter uh, never paid anybody. He did not pay the venue. He did not technically pay for the truck because it was to be paid on return of the truck. Um, and so... People finished the show and they found that out and they left this ring that he had borrowed from another promotion in a barn an hour away from Halifax and they went to his home. 
I don't know what happened after that, nor can I speculate, nor do I want to speculate. Uh, the East Coast is it's a whole different beast, um, but I, I hold that story very near and dear. <laughs> Tales from the Halifax indie wrestling scene. Yes. <laughs> wow. All right. That is something special. Um, so tell me a little bit about how you, did you how'd you hear about Defy and how'd you get contacted to, to wrestle for Defy? Hmm. Uh, or did you did you heard... hear about Defy before before wrestling for it? Yes, yes. Um, I can't remember exactly how I heard about it, but I know that I heard it was coming up. I know that they like I saw the kind of production value they were putting into it and the amount of names they were bringing in, and saw that they weren't really messing around. Um, so I think two or three times I drove from Victoria to Seattle to just kind of hang out, shake hands. Yeah. Um, do the do, you know, the, the whole wrestling shenanigans yeah. and just try to, to show face in, in an attempt to show how much I wanted the yeah. opportunity to work there. Um, and so far it seems like it's turned out to be a, a worthwhile investment of my time. Absolutely, man. So was this um, what the initial time that you and Judas Icarus get booked? And, and like you said, you almost didn't make it because of the ferry and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Was that the first time you've ever wrestled down here in the United States? It would have been. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the first time I yeah drove all the way to Portland. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's it's. Uh, there's been a lot since. There's been a few questionable incidents at the border. Um, it would, yeah, it would have been the first time. Hope, I mean, we're seeing Defy coming back, so hopefully there will be more times. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, for uh, for Canadians, it's uh, even if you've been over a thousand times, you're always shaking your boots, um, just because there's, you know, the the chance that they could say no every single time. And yeah, you kind of, you kind of have to lie about what you're doing. Um, I mean, we've heard of like speedball Mike Bailey and, and, and there are certain wrestlers that, you know, have, have unfortunately been on the, uh, the receiving end of a ban. And uh, mm -hmm. so, so that's uh, an unfortunate thing, but uh, luckily you've made it every time. And, and um, tell me about, about your uh, initial reaction at defy. What was that like for you coming out to at defy? And what was your, uh, what was your feeling about um, wrestling for defy? It was terrifying, um, especially to come and debut against a team such as the American guns. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of respect as well as Judas for both Mike and uh, Ethan. Mm-hmm. And to, yeah, come down and kind of show up late, it felt a little weird. Um, and then to try to talk with them and figure out, you know, kind of the, the game plan. It was, it was very nerve wracking. Uh, once the, once that music hit and we walked through the curtain, everything went numb. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a, Sorry, I'm trying to explain what it's sure. like to walk out to a Defy crowd. Um, it's pretty. It's pretty unlike anything else that I've experienced. 
Um, there's there's a buzz in the room. Mm-hmm. There's somehow a smell of excitement. There's a feeling that you can feel from the ground that goes through your feet, through your entire body, and it makes every every single hair on your body stand up. It's uh, it's uh, it's basically a drug. Yeah. When Miggs comes out and he says, we get loud, he's not fucking around. Defy gets loud. And to come, I have a lot of love for where I came from, but when you're doing small town shows on Vancouver Island in front of 30 people, and then you show up in Defy and there's hundreds of people getting loud, it's not only gives you more confidence in what you're doing, but also gives you more confidence to try new things to uh, make it a better show for those people. Absolutely, man. And and we're going to be returning for a weekend of shows. So it's going to be that I think I have a feeling it's going to be turned up a notch too, because people are just hungry for it. Tickets going so fast. Tickets like sold (laughs) out for seated, you know, it's, it's going to be amazing. So, I, I have to ask this question and it's it's kind of cheesy phrasing, but I ask it on all every episode here and you were kind of getting into it a little bit. So I have to ask you, um, what does the defiance mean to you? Yeah, yeah, I kind of got into it a little bit on that last question. Um, the defiance is a place that I am. I always feel at home. Um most of the time I have Judas with me and that's a sense of being at home as well to have your tag partner always at your side, but to walk in with your tag partner and we've had the opportunity to have a lot of matches. We probably wouldn't anywhere else. Hell we uh, like, we got to wrestle psychosis and Guermo in a tag match. Uh, There's, I can't understand. Like I can't bring words to, how crazy that is to me. Yeah. Um, and the fact that we got to do it in front of, I would say my favorite crowd. Um, sorry to anyone else, but um, it, it's just, it, it hits different. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, yeah, to get a chance to perform in front of the defiance every single time is a great great privilege and every opportunity i get to do it i am very proud to do it that's awesome man so i'm i'm looking forward to to getting back to shows and 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 um have you been able to to, to train have you been able to to um you know train up there in vancouver very recently we brought back training in in canada uh vancouver uh the lionsgate dojo which yeah. is headed up by I mean, Artemis Spencer, Nicole Matthews, Billy Swade, Tony Baroni. Yeah. Um, we, I think that we've been back about a month and a half now and I'm averaging probably four to five classes a week, just needing that ring time, craving that to feel that canvas yeah. snap back at me as I fall onto it um, to feel the, the ropes on my back, bruising them up to get that callus back. Um, and who knows, maybe there's a couple tricks that are going to come out of oh, old Eli once he gets back in the ring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so uh, the the first time going back, you know, with Nicole and Artemis and Tony and and going back, were you rusty? Did did it take a little bit to to get that oh, you yeah. know feeling back? Yeah, like I said, I've uh, <laughs> a lot of time I spent on looking for the truth, and that requires not a lot of movement, mm-hmm. um, a lot of lot of sitting, a lot of mm-hmm. staring at screens, and uh, that. How do I put this? Uh, it weighed on me both emotionally and in the midsection. Yeah, fair um, enough. <laughs> so to get into the ring again, um, it was a snapback re- to reality and the reality that I want to be in. Absolutely. So Eli, man, um, you know, it's been great talking to you, but I, I got to ask you about, you know, like, so you've kind of hinted a little bit about some of these conspiracies and some of this truth that you've mm-hmm. been been digging into so i'm curious about like you know break it down man what what are some new conspiracies what's what's really out there what's the new stuff that we haven't even heard of what kind of new stuff you got uh, so so some of the, some things have been changing um uh-huh. i put a i put out a video recently kind of explaining that somewhere i got a a little a little too close to the truth um the hardest point being i don't know what truth that is Uh, so it could have been the the idea that bigfoot won't be recognized by the government because that will put it as an endangered species and that means they have to protect the forest it could be that what we know is a greater being is actually just a simulation. And is that a simulation where your body is put into a setup and you're just put a, in a brain bucket on, or is that mean everything around you? It's just a sequence of numbers. It could mean the, this truth behind hollow earth and the entrance to that in Antarctica and how the hollow earth is actually where the giant people live and the giant peoples are the ones who built the pyramids that's how they made them so fast and the pyramids actually used to be topped by gold and that is how they get the electricity into the hollow earth because lightning would zap the pyramids and it would send it to the middle of the earth and actually all of the pyramids are if you map them out around the world they're kind of in a line not dissimilar from the equator but on a different angle and I I think I I think I said too much. Uh, Eli Surge uh blew my mind and I feel like we've learned a lot. Um that was the defiant ones. Thank you very much Eli Surge.